I'm Matt Dixon, and welcome to the Purple Patch Podcast. The mission of Purple Patch is to empower and educate every human being to reach their athletic potential. Through the lens of athletic potential, you reach your human potential. The purpose of this podcast is to help time-starved people everywhere integrate sport into life. Yes, welcome back to the Purple Patch Podcast, and as ever, I am your host, Matt Dixon. And let's start today with a little reflection. Now, this is going to be poignant for you if you're English, because if you're English, you might remember a classic TV character from the 80s. His name was Morph, made out of, and I'm going to come back to the American here, Play-Doh. Morph was an artist's dream. You could stretch and pull him in any direction with the most limber arms, legs and joints. Well, this is how I feel after spending some time with our guest today, Erin Taylor. You see, Erin is the leading international yoga coach and the founder of the performance yoga platform for athletes, Jazz Yoga. Today, she completely rewrites our lens on integrating yoga into endurance sports. No more 60-minute yoga classes that have little to do with your sports performance. No more claustrophobia in those awful hot yoga sessions, but instead a truly integrated performance mindset to help maximize recovery, sports-specific mobility, and performance. It is a key tool in your approach to maximizing your individual performance, no matter what level you are. Yep, it's a goodie. And if you've ever rejected or resisted yoga in sport, stick around. Seriously, listen, you're going to be surprised. And I promise you, you're going to enjoy it. But before we dive in, let's have a little dance in that jingle. We like the way he thinks, serious with the way. Let's open the book, it's time to take a peek. It's the dictionary. And the word of the week this week is training. Yes, a simple but important one. And it's especially for you listeners who are not overly obsessive triathletes, but rather simply performance enthusiasts looking to integrate fitness and performance into your life so that you can raise health, work and life performance. Time and again, the most successful time-starved individuals I see have successfully embraced what I call the athletic mindset. And while they're not elite athletes per se, they are elite performers and they seek to thrive across multiple areas in life. And they do that by adopting the athletic mindset. They draw from lessons in the approach of how athletes approach their sport, but they apply it to their own life. So what does this mean? Well, it means integration, integration of fitness, nutrition, sleep, and other elements, all synchronized and harmonious with the fluctuating demands of life. A singular lens that treats each of these components mutually exclusively is never going to reap great results. Instead, we must adopt a fully integrated approach. And with this in mind, training, both in terms of endurance training and strength training, is a non-negotiable. Now, notice the word that I use there, training. That's really different from exercise. It's not enough for you to simply add exercise into life and expect great results. You see, exercise is random. And if you approach it randomly, then you're going to get random results. Training, on the other hand, is structured, progressive, and variable. It is purposeful. It's a specific and evolving stress to yield optimal return on investment for any time that you have. So get training and don't do so in a silo, but do it as a part of an integrated approach. 
Daily exercise, yes, it's good, but it's random. Instead, seek controlled and specific return on your valuable time that you spend. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is why word of the week this week is training. Now, let's get on with the meat and potatoes. All right, guys, yes, the meat and potatoes, and today we're talking about all things rubbery, yoga, and in fact, not just yoga, but jazz yoga, performance yoga. I'm being joined today by Erin Taylor, the founder and head coach of Jazz Yoga, yoga by athletes for athletes. She is, quite truly, an international leader in yoga for athletes, and she's also an author. And two books, Erin, two books. The first is In, and I'll have you discuss these today. The second leaning towards recovery and meditation, hit reset. She's also the architect of the only dedicated yoga for athletes platform online. Erin Taylor, thank you very much for joining us today. Happy to be here, Matt. We met each other. Well, we met each other via phone call and email, but really through, I think the first I, I sort of became aware of you was through, um, Good friends of mine and obviously athletes of mine, Jesse Thomas, one of the Purple Patch athletes, and Lauren Fleshman. And um, it's about six months ago, and now we fast forward. Here we are talking about collaborations and integrating jazz yoga into the upcoming Purple Patch San Francisco Center. You've been on quite a journey, but you're you're joining us from London today, yeah? I am, yes. So we're having a conversation. There's a a Londoner based in San Francisco and an Americano based in London, which is not without irony, I would say. <laughs> yep. So I think that what we should do is get digging into to start to frame this discussion before we talk about recovery and meditation and yoga. Let's talk a little bit about you. And, uh, and I, want, I want to go all the way back. So tell us sort of your, your, your upbringing, your family, education, journey. What, what's your story? Sure. Um, so I'm originally from Berkeley, California, um, and I grew up in Seattle. I'm the, the oldest of four, two boys, two girls, and um, enjoyed a very athletic upbringing. Both my parents were elite rowers, and um, so we we really grew up, you know, playing sports and working out as a family a, f- a family affair. Really, we used to. I can remember. Um, in the summer, like dragging all of my parents, um, like exercise equipment and like weights and things out into the backyard and my siblings and I like totally unprompted. This wasn't like at my parents request or anything. And just sure. kind of going outside and like doing these little workouts, like on our own for fun. So <laughs> that was very much kind of our, our lifestyle, uh, growing up and, um, I attended San Francisco State University on a basketball scholarship and studied journalism while I was there. Um, Oh, interesting. Yeah. And so, you know, over the years, you know, writing has always been, you know, as key a a theme as sports for me. And a few years after graduating from uni, moved back to Seattle where I where I met my husband, who is actually British, and um, we moved to London in 2014, uh, so a couple years ago, where we 
where we had our now two-year-old daughter and we're we're expecting our second baby, a boy, any day now. So so hopefully I won't go into labor while we're chatting. Well, they might be hearing some kicks and bumps as we go along, but yeah. it's, it's very exciting. Congratulations in advance. Yeah, thank you. F- fantastic. So let's let's go back a little bit to your athletics. I'm, I'm interested because uh, rowing parents, endurance sports, a, a tough endurance sports that's rowing, you you went into basketball. What, what were some of the other sports that you did? Were you always a sort of team sport player or was basketball the, the venture? Um, what really, I played all different sports growing up, um, uh, in particular in, in high school, I rode, I did track and cross country. I played soccer, um, really my first two years of, um, really through middle school and my first two years of high school before really deciding that basketball is where I wanted to focus my, my time and energy. Um, but I definitely have always been more endurance sport oriented I would say um so but yeah it's been I'm, I'm really I'm really happy that I, I kind of had the opportunity I really was blessed with the opportunity to to you know explore many different sports over the years it, it's interesting completely tangentially you know we we always talk about or think about kids that that go on to get scholarships there's an amazing statistic that I think it's something like 98% of uh, scholarship athletes are multi-sport growing up all the way through at least the first couple of years of high school. And I think it's a really good railroad. So you, you obviously went to basketball, had to completely focus on basketball when you're a basketball player at SF State. But, but the grounding in so many sports, I think, is a real lesson for parents who I think sometimes push their kids so quickly into one venture, of course, leading to to boredom and bird out for the kids so often. Yeah, definitely. And I think that also really helps with a lot of even just, um, just physical development and avoiding injuries, um, you know, when you're growing up and, and doing different things and developing your body and your skills in lots of different ways, I think is really important. And, and let's talk about that. Did challenge, did you have many challenges athletically injuries or overtraining or anything that as you grew up and you went through, your sports? I mean, I think for me, the the biggest, the biggest kind of physical challenge I faced, um, was just, um, I mean, I've always had a big appetite for a big workload. (laughs) Um, so I've always kind of, you know, lean, you know, leaned into training, um, pretty aggressively, but, um, you know, physical imbalance really um, exacerbated by overtraining was my biggest challenge. Uh, challenges. One of, I mean, one of my legs is a full inch longer than the other, which is kind of, you know, left me with a pretty, pretty moderate scoliosis. And so, kind of my structural baseline really is pretty is is not particularly balanced, and um, that that caused a lot of problems for me in my late teens. Um, before I really developed a good understanding of of like what that what that meant and how to manage it, it's uh, it's almost like the Leaning Tower of Pisa. It sounds like the uh, <laughs> structurally, but uh, <laughs> but uh, the, the reason I ask that question because you know quite often we have guests come on and I wouldn't uh, say hey what what were your what were your athletic challenges? I'd like to hear what you do, but but the reason I asked that and I, and I don't know the answer was then was was sort of I wondered whether there were 
the challenges that were the catalyst for you becoming really interested in in both yoga and also recovery. And I'll give you some context because of my personal journey, me being sort of labeled the recovery coach came out of my own failings. I went through and overtrained myself into the ground with some poor coaching and some poor supporting habits. And obviously that stimulated the the forcing of me stepping back, looking at the landscape of the sport, the my own journey and becoming really passionate about recovery. So I just wondered on your lens, whether it was a personal journey. And so I guess I'll ask the question, what was the catalyst for you getting into both yoga generally before performance yoga per se, and then ultimately recovery as well? Yeah, I mean, definitely like kind of, um, you know, the challenge of my own like physical imbalance and ultimately like a major injury that resulted from that was the catalyst for me to really develop my understanding and passion for ba- balance and um, and helping athletes to to find more balance and um, you know really that my injury <laughs> what that resulted from that was um, was what got me into yoga. Um, I, my freshman year of college, I had a really serious back injury that was really a result of, um, my failure to address this, like pretty legit structural imbalance that I have. And, you know, that coupled with over my tendency to kind of overtrain. Um, so that forced me to, well, literally get on a yoga mat. Um, at the time our team doctor, um, wanted me to do yoga as, as part of my rehab. And, you know, like, like most athletes, <laughs> I wasn't really interested in yoga, but I was interested in, in healing my injuries so that I could, you know, compete and perform at a high level again. Um, but I think, you know, if you've been injured, you know, you'll do, you're willing really to do anything to get back out there. So, um, so that's kind of when I first gave yoga a go and, well, at first I thought it was like complete hippie <laughs> bullshit, <laughs> uh, but it's, um, you know, but a- again, like, you know, if you're an injured athlete, you're really, you know, you're really willing to do anything to kind of get to the other side of it. And so that really like motivated me to kind of stay with it because it was one of the few like activities like that, that I could actually do that made me feel like I was still being productive and you know and and um kept me occupied when I couldn't you know do the usual the you know the training I was accustomed to so you know and then over time I started to actually feel the benefits I stayed with it long enough that that I could really start to feel the difference and so that really ultimately got me very excited about yoga well it's it it is interesting because it's it's you know, now, and we'll talk about this a little later in the discussion, it is the, the marrying of the, the two sides, very different sides, when people sort of approach it emotionally. We think about hard charging training, you know, no pain, no gain type stuff, and everything that sort of um, is very driven athletes like. And then if we think about the other side of the equation, when we classically think about yoga, or meditation that I'm just about to ask you about. It's soothing, it's recovery, and it feels like very different spheres. But w- what you've redone really is is integrate these two, which I'm I'm really excited to talk to you about today. Before we do, I want to 
talk about another hippy dippy thing, uh, as you put it, <laughs> meditation. And, um, because even more so, so you, you know, you started recovery or you started yoga, I should say, as a means to an ends. And now it is a, through a performance lens that you, you do recovery and help other people in a great into hard charging sport. Meditation, I would say even more on the other end of the continuum. What was the catalyst beyond reaching beyond the physical rejuvenation and into sort of the performance side of meditation? What piqued that interest? How did you start that? Um, I mean, for me, I think meditation came a little bit later. I mean, obviously, like, um, when I got that inner initial introduction to yoga, um, it was it was like a more physical practice that I was doing. Although, you know, just the time that I spent um, really slowing down and being on the injury bench overall, that that, you know, helped me to become, I'd say, more receptive to rest and recovery. Um, and then it really wasn't until a couple of years later, um, after university, actually, when I moved back to Seattle, um, that I started really becoming more interested in meditation. I mean, I had dabbled with it a bit on and off as, you know, just a part of it. It's a pretty, like, pretty standard part of like any yoga class you might go to um, mm-hmm. you know they tend to kind of open with some kind of meditation um, and close in the same way um, but like many athletes and yoga teachers my my um, introduction to yoga was really more physically focused um, so I'd say when in when I was in my early 20s and I was back in Seattle and I was just I was juggling a lot as a as a freelance journalist and starting to build my yoga practice and I was just like feeling really frazzled all the time and so I started um just started kind of dabbling more in meditation but you know again like many I found I found it helpful but I really struggled to to do it consistently and make it a really consistent practice um and as a result I wasn't really you know like getting a lot of benefit from it. Um, And then it wasn't until a few years later when I I actually finally attended an actual meditation retreat with my, with my now husband. (laughs) It was a really good sport for for coming (laughs) along with me. Um, I think he was the only man at the retreat. I I can feel his initial Um, (laughs) pain going into that thing. I I understand. (laughs) And, um, that really like, um, you know, really dedicating some, some more like time and, and focus and and space to that, um, really solidified for me the value, um, of, of meditation and along with it really fueled my motivation to really start to, to do it, um, well, we're going to dig into recovery, meditation, yoga, marrying with performance athletics. And it is that we're not going to talk about these in isolation. We're going to talk absolutely integrated with it through a performance lens. But before we do, I want to fast forward. I want to talk about jazz yoga, your company, because I think it's important to go through jazz yoga first. And then we're going to get to the nitty gritty about athlete mistakes and how we actually integrate this. So now you've got this this platform this this company jazz yoga H- how did how did the, a passion fall into a company tell us tell us the journey briefly 
Well, the journey, I think, really started back when I was an 18-year-old collegiate athlete. And I was, you know, going to these very, like, kind of traditional yoga classes because that's all that was available at the time. And, I mean, every stereotype you can think of, all the chanting and the balloon pants and, and all of that. And I can remember wishing, even at that time, that there there was a style or an approach or a teacher that could speak more more directly to me like as an athlete and talk about how this stretch or that exercise you know how how what we're doing here on the mat is directly you know impacting my performance and um you know i i got pretty profound results from from going to classes and, you know, even in those early days, like really starting to think about that myself, like, okay, you know, identifying my, you know, my weaknesses on the mat and really starting to, to do more of those stretches and things at home on my own and thinking of them in more of like a basketball context at the time that got me really good results. And, um, that really inspired me to want to, um, to make yoga more accessible and exciting for athletes. Um, because I think, you know, it's a lot of athletes just are, are pretty close minded about it because there are many stereotypes about it. And, um, I mean, there's lots of barriers. I think we're going to talk about that more later, but, um, you know, I just really, I really have always felt very passionate that it's like this amazing underutilized skill sets to help athletes really get the most out of their athletic experience. And, you know, I mean, my teammates at the time thought I was crazy, but I mean, they thought it was pretty cool how like how much flexibility I had gained. And sure. um, so ultimately it became really about the need to connect dots and, and, you know, create practicality and accessibility. So, um, you know, ultimately over the years that grew, grew into jazz yoga. And, and you've really, you know, jazz yoga itself, you, you've sort of, um, really created an online community of resources. You know, it's primarily, it's not like a, you're not, um, punching out uh, stores or anything like that yoga studios it's an online community instead of resources for people what, what what was the thinking behind that um again i think it's about practicality and accessibility um and and context really because it's like context and connecting the dots that really like gives gives anyone the motivation to do anything and and to do it right and so um I think I've always viewed and practiced and taught yoga, like from a very athletic perspective. And so it's never been about, it's never been about turning athletes into yogis. It's, it's a lot bigger than yoga even really. It's for me, it's about supporting athletes. And so jazz yoga's mission is really to help athletes use yoga to achieve their goals. And, um, really becoming more balanced and resilient along the way. So our online, you know, our online platforms have really allowed me to, you know, to kind of scale that mission to, to reach and, and help more athletes. Um, 
and 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 I guess this yeah. is it's it's not it's not theoretical. Yeah, I mean you you've been lucky to work with some some really elite endurance athletes on on your journey. I'd love to hear how you've helped them or. If you want to name names, you can name names, but primarily from when I met you through many of the runners that you've worked with, uh, what have the results been and, and how's that gone? Yeah, I mean, I've been really fortunate to work with many athletes across many sports and all different levels and some very elite um, over the years. And, um, you know, I guess a few examples. Um, I've designed new custom routines for you know, like Lauren, Fre Lauren Fleshman while she was still running pro and, you know, given her consulting over the years for her coaching of the, the little wing training group in Bend. And um, I helped Kara Goucher develop her meditation practice. Um, I mean, outside of running when I was living in Seattle in the, in the, in the summers, in the off seasons, I used to work with a, a group of NBA basketball players every summer Um you know, I've worked with pro golfers. It's just such a such a huge mix of, of professional athletes. And across the board, you know, um, the results have been great. And um, I would say, like, the, the main focus of, of a lot of the practices I've done with them has been, has been very restorative. Um, restorative and also addressing the very specific, you know, imbalances that result from their training. Um, so I, I'll say, um, another part of that really though, is like with these athletes is helping them to become more aware of kind of what their training is doing to their bodies. So, mm -hmm. so yeah, I mean, we recover, we really like aim to optimize mm -hmm. that process and we really you know, we're addressing things like stiff hips and calves and, you know, all that kind of thing. But I, I think like some of the biggest like aha moments and seeing these lights going off are, you know, them really becoming kind of more aware of like, you know, what the, their movement patterns are, are, are doing to, to them and they're, you know, getting a little bit more real about what those imbalances are and, and, you know, oftentimes, you know, failure to address them, which is why athletes end up with like niggles and injuries ultimately. Um, so it's great to be able to, it's been great to be able to help athletes to start to like address a lot of that a lot more proactively rather than, you know, a lot of athletes have also come to me when they're already injured. Exactly. Reactive. And yeah. Help me. Yeah, I, help so me. I can't move. I know. So it's, it's really, it's really cool. Like when, when athletes can kind of get into it in a much more proactive way. Um, you know, all that being said, I mean, some of, some of the work I'm most proud of is um, my work at the Univ university of Washington in Seattle, where I, I trained most of the sports teams for about five years before I moved to London. And, you know, I mean, there's barriers to, <laughs> there's barriers to getting athletes to get excited about yoga, but I'd say even more so with, with young athletes who, you know, can often be a little bit more immature and not as comfortable in themselves. And, um, you know, I give the coaches there a lot of credit for being open to, you know, fitting yoga into their busy schedules. But I'll say like college kids often, 
I found even more like reluctance to, to do yoga and, um, you know, but I'll say like the men's basketball team in, in particular, you can, you can imagine a group of guys like that, trying to get them excited about doing yoga and, and, but the difference from our first session of, you know, all the giggling and like, she wants me to do what and <laughs> all of that kind of thing to then after a few weeks, their, their coach is telling me they want more yoga. They want to do more yoga classes. And then, and then they're giving me feedback. The athletes are telling me things like, um, not only are they feeling like they're moving better on the court, they're jumping higher, um, but they're also sleeping better. And they feel like they can study better after days when they've done yoga. And, you know, that kind of feedback is really exciting to me, too, because, you know, I think it shows it's, it's really it's helping us in not just in sport, but in life. And um, so that's what I think makes it even more powerful. Well, you know, we're, we're going to come up with a solution for purple patch athletes, because in the future, we won't we won't have to cross that barrier because we won't give them a choice. We're just going to integrate it. So uh, that, <laughs> right. that, that's going yeah. to be our solution collectively, you and I. But let's get into the nitty gritty. When we think about endurance performance, because we've grounded ourselves now, you are integrating yoga through a performance lens. And um, we're not trying to convert people into yogis. So when, when we think about endurance performance, and I, and I would say especially time-staffed performance enthusiasts, because that's so much of our audience, what are the, the biggest mistakes that, that you see athletes make? I mean, I think for sure, focus and just obsession with volume and, and quantity and always trying to do more um, and ignoring fatigue coupled, mm. with, coupled with lack of awareness. Because I think oftentimes, you know, athletes are, especially endurance athletes, are just um, doing so much, so hard, so fast, like all the time that it's really easy to just blow right past sensation. In other words, um, really important signals that your body is giving you about what it needs, for example, that it needs to rest, um, as well, as well as awareness of like little aches and pains, um, critical information that, that, you know, our bodies give us that we need to, we need to take seriously so that we can avoid, you know, um, full on injury or burnout. Um, and I think also just, you know, failure to prioritize, uh, recovery habits just really further fuels this problem because, um, you know, you just don't create space to address those you know, that information, if you are paying attention to it, it or fatigue in any sort of systematic way. Um, <clears throat> I always say that your body's your best teacher. Um, but to learn from it, you have to like actually <laughs> listen to it. And, you know, everyone says, listen to your body, but how many but people no, do, like, but <laughs> no one does. It's, mm -hmm. it's really, it's, it's really annoying. It's just like, um, yeah, it's just I'm tired of hearing people like even say that or talk about it because so few actually follow through. And so, you know, I think yoga's yoga uh, creates some space for that sort of listening to actually happen. 
Um, but from there, uh, you have to actually be willing to respond accordingly. And that's really hard too, especially if, you know, what your body is asking of you doesn't align with your expectations or your, or your training plan. Or, or your timeline, of course, as you've got an upcoming event in two months, you're like, we've got to charge, we've got to get fit or whatever it might be. It's, you know, interestingly, yesterday yeah. I was, uh, I was, uh, talking at a conference with a bunch of uh, tech uh, founders and, and CEOs. And one of the aha moments for them was when I was talking about stress and the accumulation of stress. And many of them integrated fitness exercise into their life, but they never considered that that was an additional stress that had to be managed with all of the other stresses and joining the dots around sleep and lack of sleep being a stress, travel being a stress. And they'd never actually taken a step back. Some of the you know, very, very smart people talking to, and they hadn't realized starvation, uh, gluttony, everything, this global bucket of stress. And um, for people in a time staff life that do live big lives, creating that space seldom occurs. And mm -hmm. um, so I guess that that's one component of it is almost just by integrating this, there's this calming time as well. It's, um, I find that very interesting, but performance yoga, I, I, I want to, I, I want to understand the difference when I think about yoga. And the first thing actually, when I, when I met you and, uh, and heard of jazz yoga, my reaction was great yoga, but it's time consuming. And, uh, and is it really specific to performance? You know, we have strength and conditioning that includes mobility. How could I ever, my first reaction, take yoga and integrate it into an already busy big life for my athletes? And, uh, and then ask them to go to a studio for an hour and, uh, and do yoga twice a week sort of thing. That was my initial reaction but it's very different from that so i think it's important that we define what you're talking about here when it comes to performance yoga definitely um i mean it really all comes back to jazz yoga's um and my personal mission which is you know to help athletes use yoga to achieve their goals so it's not about you know it's not about turning athletes into to yogis or being able to do advanced yoga tricks it's about putting everything under that performance lens, you know, it's like, well, who cares if you can put your foot behind your head? Like, how is that going to help you run faster or jump higher? Um, per, for me, performance yoga, it's really about, it's about using yoga to optimize the rest of your training um, so that you get better results from everything else that you're doing. So that really means using it to fill to fill the gaps and to ease imbalances. Um, and I mean, that really requires putting everything we do on the mat into the context of, of sports performance. And how about strength? You know, in your opinion, we know that strength and conditioning and mobility is a, is a key ingredient. At least I believe it's a, a key ingredient to help accelerate endurance performance, but, just performance yoga just cover off on this in other words is it does it does it interact with a classic more classic minded sort of strength work or is it is it an addition how, how do you view that i mean yoga builds fantastic functional strength because um it 
it's it works the body in a really integrated way you know it it moves and works the body as the integrated unit that it's it's designed to be when you're doing a more strength focused yoga practice um and it's always it's always really shocked me how how difficult the most most basic fundamental like yoga strength practices are for many of even the most like amazing (laughs) elite athletes and I think that has a lot to do with the fact that on the mat um, in jazz yoga in any case we really slow things down so whereas often athletes often rely on force and momentum to to carry carry them through many of their movement patterns and when you take when you take that away a lot of the you know the basic stability that would give them a lot more power and control of those movement patterns um, that they're really they're really lacking um, in that area so take running for example it's it's a very like long series of forward moving single leg balances mm-hmm. and you know runners don't often just <laughs> fall over when they're running um, but make them stop and do a static still single leg balance um, and have them do some like endurance work just in, you know, a single leg balance routine. And it's, it's like a wobble fest. It's usually really difficult for them. And I think that's really, that's really telling. So in terms of strength, yoga is a great, it's a great place to really slow things down and work on those um, sport-specific movement patterns um, and build like the functional strength to support them in a really controlled way. Um, and the same goes for really kind of using yoga for activation and, war- and warming everything up. And it, so it seems like you could synergize it with, um, with more classic strength as well. There's probably a role for strength, classic strength and conditioning in conjunction, theoretically. Sure, definitely, definitely. And I mean, there's, even if you look at a lot of, um, you know, a lot of yoga poses or yoga moves and, you know, classic strength exercise um, looks really similar. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of the same, a lot of the same things you'll see, you'll see a lot of crossover. Um, To me, what makes it different, what, what makes it yoga is um, the level of almost like awareness and, and paying attention. Um, really the mindfulness that, that yoga really brings into it. Um, I think oftentimes make some of, you know, this, if, if you're doing like a move, that's like even some, some sort of like lunge exercise or routine, you know, that you might do in a, in a, you know, in a traditional like gym strength routine and then do something really similar in a yoga setting. And it's, it's totally different because um, we give, I think, on the mat, we slow things down even more and give more, um, more focus to things like your breath and that focus. And I, I think that if you're really, if you're breathing, if you're breathing really deeply and you're really paying attention, then you know you're doing it right. Then you're doing you're doing yoga. So. Um, so there's a lot of yeah, there's a lot of crossover. Well, let, let's talk about classic yoga, and uh, you know we go back and what, what would you say are the the challenges and limitations of 
someone just saying, great, I love what Erin's saying, but so I'm just going to go to my local yoga class once a week and spend 90 minutes or 60 minutes there. What do you think the challenges and limitations are of, of that approach? Well, I would say that most, you know, most yoga classes cater to the general needs of a a very broad range of practitioners. And if you're a, especially if you're a time poor athlete, I, I just don't think that's very productive. I think it's kind of a waste of time because you'd get a lot more out of doing a short targeted session, yoga session that addresses uh, the specific realities of your training um, than going to any random yoga class where in my opinion, you're more likely to injure yourself or work against your training. And I mean, how pissed off would you be if you went to a yoga class and you injured yourself, right? Yeah, which has I mean, happened, yeah. Which, uh, which yeah. has happened many times. Like it's, um, and I think that there's a misconception that all, you know, amongst, amongst, you know, people who don't have much yoga experience and often amongst athletes that, that all yoga is the same, and that you know, it's something to, to check off your to-do list or it's, it's a rest day activity. Um, when in reality, really, like if, when you approach it in that way, it's, it's a lot more likely to work against your training. And I think that has a lot to do with the rise of um, hot power yoga. Um, those kind, that sort of, those styles of, of yoga are really popular now. Like most mm -hmm. studios offer up that kind of thing. And, um, I think that, that, that just further fuels this major kind of <laughs> collective failure, um, amongst athletes to, to really value and embrace and embrace recovery. So it's like, they'll go to these kinds of yoga classes on a rest day, but really they're just going to another workout and then they feel good about it because it's hard and it's feeling this like mindset they're already in that you have to be working out to be productive. Yep. And, you know, and I see, uh, I, I see a lot of yoga teachers, you know, who when presented are pre presented with athletic bodies, uh, they just want to work them and they fail to take into account all the training and conditioning they're already doing. Um, you know, nor do they actually connect any dots of like how what we're doing on the mat is actually helping them in, in their sports. So I think that that's, I think that's just really, really dangerous. I mean, there's just been so many athletes that I've worked with who, you know, like the common response when I'm, when I ask them if they've done any yoga, it's like, yeah, and I didn't like it. <laughs> and it was either, either because they say it was too, cause it was too hot <laughs> or it was too hard. Like those are kind of, those are some of the common, like, you know, that's some of the common feedback I hear from people who have gone to those kinds of, you know, typical classes. Um, go, go, go real world. Tell tell us how, so real world application, cause you're breaking the mold of this. You have broken the mold of this because it's, it's truly integrated. It's uh, it is a part of your endurance training, a part of the cycle of endurance training. So, you know, someone, someone, an endurance athlete, a typical purple patch athlete that has six, eight, ten hours a week to train. How do you apply performance yoga, jazz yoga into this? Yeah, well, I mean, I get it. There's like no time. There's no time to spare. 
And um, I think even just the idea of trying to add in yoga can be really overwhelming because, again, people just make this assumption that you have to be going to like a 60 to 90 minute class or whatever. And, you know, I think that spending as little as five minutes a day on the right things is way more effective than going to one or even two just random yoga classes a week. Um, but to, to define what those right things are, you need to really get, get real about imbalance that's resulting from your training so that you can really drill into those specific areas and really get the right information about, you know, how to focus your time on the mat. Um, so I, I really, I feel really strongly that like five minutes a day gets results. And that's feedback I've like had so many athletes like, like confirm for me. It's, um, you know, I think like, like many things, it's like, oh, well, if I can't spend, you know, an hour, it's just, it's not worth my time. It's not going to I'm not going to get the benefit. It's not going to make a difference, but it is amazing how radical, you know, five minutes of, of yoga or meditation is. Um, it, it's really interesting. It's the, the same lens. We have a saying that your workout is not over until you finished your post-workout fueling. But really what it is, is your workout is not over until you finished your performance yoga followed by your fueling. And, um, in other words, said in the end, that is your workout. That is a part of the time that you have available in a very busy life to, to facilitate ultimate performance. Yeah. That, that's what we're looking for. And the other thing that's interesting is, isn't it surprising that the magic word that comes out of it is consistency, which is the, what, what we are trying to string together for endurance athletes globally is if you can consistently layer training on and, in your lens performance yoga helps facilitate that then athletes accelerate it's not revolutionary even though it's revolutionary so uh yeah can can we talk about the i want to talk about the female athlete for a while because we're male and female athletes get thrown in together are there any special considerations of of benefits for the female athlete specifically or perhaps it's just male female both the same um i mean when it comes to working with uh, men versus women, I mean, women tend to naturally have a little bit more mobility. Um, so making sure that we maintain a really good balance of strength and flexibility is definitely a, a consideration when um, when working with the ladies um, because too much flexibility is just as bad as not enough. Um so I think that's that's definitely important to keep in mind in like a yoga context for women. Um, but I would say what really comes to mind for me is, um, you know, for women, I think it's really important to 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 consider hormonal fluctuations and take them seriously. Um, I really encourage female athletes, for example, to really respect, you know. their monthly cycle and proactively create more space for rest whenever possible. Um, And obviously, I mean, that's different for every woman, but um, you know, hormonal, those like hormonal monthly changes that women experience, you know, can very easily 
commonly leave you feeling a lot more tire- tired and, and frazzled. And, and, you know, I see female athletes really just, you know, muscling through that and um, feeling a lot worse <laughs> because of it oftentimes. And, you know, obviously that doesn't align perfectly with your training or your schedule. Um, and, you know, I think just simply being aware of that and, you know, creating some more space for yourself to rest, um, is really important. Um, because ultimately, you know, these hormonal fluctuations, you know, hormonal balance, um, has a huge impact on sports performance. So that's something I just, I don't hear, you know, a lot of people talking about in, in terms of, you know, in training for women. And, and I think it's, it's important. We, like we should, we should encourage, we should encourage that. Um, so. it, it, it's, um, I agree wholeheartedly. And I, I, I want to move to recovery because I know your, your world, your passion, your expertise is not just yoga. Uh, and, you know, you've written a lot about recovery as have I. So we all have our own lens on recovery. When you think about recovery in endurance sports, what does it mean to you globally? Um, I've always believed that in sports and life, recovery is just as important and equally as productive as everything else that we do. And um, recovery is when we really absorb and integrate the work we've done. It's when we, it's when we regather our energy and our strength for the next workout or competition. Um, and everyone knows that, that going, ho- going hard, uh, working out gets results, but recovery, what I call working in also gets results. So, you know, when you go hard, you have to rest hard, easy. You have, you have to have relaxation after exertion. And, um, I think that ultimately it's, it's, it's working out, you know, training and recovery, you know, this idea of working out and working in together in an integrated way that helps athletes to get the most, you know, of their training and mm-hmm. their performance and their athletic experience. It's great. It's perfect. Look, meditation, performance lens, uh, you, you talk about perceptions of hippy dippy. Um, and, and I think that's really evolved. And, and in fact, I, I don't work with many high performing executives that don't meditate now, but, uh, through your lens, through a performance lens, why integrate it? Um, I mean, meditation is a, it's mental focus training, um, that helps us to to focus and relax so that we can feel and perform our best in everything. And it helps to harmonize the mind and body, giving us more, giving us more flow, this, this feeling of flow, the ability to really absorb and fully engage, you know, in what we're doing. And, you know, that feeling of, of like, of flow really is, um, it's just as instrumental in like, going going easy in in recovery as it is in in working out and and going hard so you know with meditation it's like as you go through your workouts and your days moments of stress really accumulate in your mind and your body and when left unaddressed 
tension builds and, and can become really pervasive. Um, and it makes it more difficult to discern between um, tension and relaxation. And it makes real recovery a lot more elusive. So meditation helps to actually reset your nervous system and broaden your perspective, um, which is which is critical for performance. And I mean, and really gives you the ability to most appropriately determine like the right course of action at any time, whether you're, whether you're in a race or you're just deciding, like trying to determine like what you need to do for your workout that day based on how you feel. Um, so, so yeah, I think meditation, it's really, it can be as instrumental you know, as when you're about to toe the line as it is when you're trying to recover from a big, a big training session. Uh, and what, what does it look like? Because it's not the same for everyone, is it? But uh, when, when you think about what does meditation look like in a daily lens? I mean, it's, it's different. It's different for, for everyone. I mean, there's so, one of the great things about meditation, there's so many different benefits to it. And you know, you can really design your own meditation practice to amplify any of those benefits, you know, anything from like, um, you know, honing focus for actual competition to, um, you know, sleeping better to just overall strengthening your immune system. Um, I think with just kind of daily practice, there's this, this misperception that you have to do it for a long time. Like, again, going back to, like, stereotypes, you've got to sit on a meditation cushion, cross-legged for, like, 20 minutes or whatever and do some chanting along the way. And um, I think that people need to realize that, you know, meditation is most effective when you make it real for you. Um, and that can mean spending as little as five minutes a day, like when you first get up in the morning before you even like, you know, really get up and get going. Or, um, for example, I have this routine that I call the two minute reset. So before I had my first kid, um, I used to meditate like a lot. I used to meditate like for 20 minutes twice a day cause I really enjoyed it. And, um, you know, when you have a baby, that's not so <laughs> practical and, so I was like, gosh, yeah, how can I really, like, make this a, a really, like, practical routine? Like, how do you really, like, fit this into a really, you know, crazy, unpredictable day? And I started doing a two-minute meditation every morning while I was waiting for my French press to brew. And, you know, at first I was like, yeah, I just don't know if this is going to make a difference. But then after after doing it a couple of times, you know, I realized it did. And the more you actually like practice, even if it's just a few minutes, the more effective you become and in, in being able to like get right into it and not feel all distracted and thrown. And those few minutes become incredibly rejuvenating. And I think most people will report that, um, they come to really like look forward to that, those moments, um, rather than feeling like it's another thing on their to-do list. 
My final question for you before the quick fire round, which uh, you may or may not know is coming, but uh, I'm going to throw you under the bus of this one. I make make you think a little bit. Give me three to five performance tips for time-starved, performance-driven person. Um, I would say, like my number one is get real about imbalance. Um, because that allows you to become incredibly effective in how you spend your time in keeping yourself healthy. Um, if you have tight calves, start pumping your calves for, for 30 seconds, you know, things like that. So getting really real about what the imbalances are. Don't like just go through this general, you know, um, gotta, gotta stretch the hips and the hamstrings and all these things. No, like really pay attention to, to what's happened to your body over the course of your workouts, you can get right into that like thing that's going to make the biggest difference in the moment that you have. Um, and then I'd say meditate for sure. Um, and again, that doesn't take long at all. And really one of my favorites is to put your legs up the wall. Like if you, if you find the day's gone by and you haven't had any time for like yoga or meditation, anything like that, everyone can put their legs up the wall for five minutes at least before they go to bed. While you're even in bed, you can do it. Um, I don't think there's many, many excuses to, to avoid that one. And that's one of the most powerful um, poses to, to aid recovery. There you go. Yeah. Good, good, good stuff. So, Erin, it's, it's fascinating, and um, I'm sure a, a lot of the listeners are going to be intrigued, have their interest peaked, and, and would love to learn more, and luckily they can. So uh, as I sort of alluded to earlier in our conversation, Purple Patch and Jazz Yoga are a, a deep in collaborative exploration and, um, and looking to integrate Jazz Yoga into the upcoming San Francisco Human Performance Center great for San Francisco athletes, but also, of course, our, our athletes globally. Uh, but the good news is you guys don't have to wait. So Aaron's been very gracious and uh, Jazz Yoga have put together a free one month um, access to Jazz Yoga so you can get a little bit of a taste to it and uh, and start to understand what this looks like and how you can integrate it into life. So you just have to head to the show notes and to purplepatchfitness.com and uh, get some access there so you can start to understand and have real context of everything that uh, that Erin has discussed today. But but Erin, you are not off the hook yet. You have one series of questions to go. And this is going to be really challenging because like me, you can talk a lot. And <laughs> these answers have to be one word to one sentence. So it's quick fire okay. from the gut, quick reactions. Don't overthink it. Just spurt it out. All right, here we go. You ready? Yes. All right, this is it. Number one, what is the biggest challenge time-starved high performers face? The first word that came to mind is just squeezed. This feeling of, of feeling squeezed. Feeling squeezed. That's fantastic. What's your number one performance habit to help daily energy? Meditation. Training. Listening to new music, focus on the task or troubleshoot work problems? 
overthinking this one. <laughs> it's the radio focus silence. The, focus on the task. There you go. That that's that's a purple patch response. Had, Thank had you. Had to digest that one for a minute. Well, here's one. What do you wish you had more of? Child care. What? No, sorry. <laughs> Did I say that? <laughs> but no, what I what I what I mean is um uh I think I'd say time to spend with athletes in real life because that's where I get the most inspiration. Fantastic. Training, fly solo or surround yourself with a crowd? Both. Great. Name one to two characteristics of an elite performer. Focused and flexible. Fantastic. And adaptability sort of thing rather than... uh Stretchy, yeah. rubbery. Yeah. yeah. Adaptability okay. maybe is a, is a better word. Yeah. Or fluid go. even. Yeah. You want people going out and trying to stretch their limbs. Um, <laughs> here's one. Who is your biggest mentor? Who has been your biggest mentor? My biggest mentor. So the, the athletes. In lots of ways, I feel like all of the athletes I work with are like mentors because I, le- I learn so much from them and their journeys as much as, you know, I, I learn as much from them as I hope they're learning from me. All right. And here's the last one. What's your number one tip for travel? You have to travel a bit. Put your legs up on something. Just be shameless. Legs up the airplane, the airplane seat. Legs up the wall in the airport. Just get your legs up. Shameless for performance. What a fantastic! Shamelessly yes. going after performance. What a great way to end. So, uh, super. So, Erin, thank you very much. It's been uh, uh, it's been inspirational, interesting, and uh, and educational, which is uh, which is what we always hope for. So, I'm sure that. Many listeners uh, have had their lens shifted on on what performance yoga and meditation and recovery means when we integrate it into this high-driven performance lifestyle that we all love to to face. So thank you very, very much for joining us. And I know that we're going to do much more together over the coming months and years. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Exciting stuff. Good stuff. Cheers. Take care. You too. Well, I've got to say that I enjoyed that. And you know what? I finished the conversation and I thought, I want to hear more. I want to see more. In fact, I want to start trying that. Well, the good news is you can. See, Jazz Yoga have been very kind to us and they've given us a whole host of information for us to give away to you. And on top of it, you can get a free month subscription just by heading to purplepatchfitness.com. All you have to do, go to purplepatchfitness.com forward slash yoga. That's purplepatchfitness.com forward slash yoga. And you can go there and get the specially created for us yoga performance cheat sheet and free access to jazz yoga for a month. You know what? I'm going to try it. After all, Erin said, it's only five minutes. Five minutes after every workout. Let's do it. 28 days. Let's see how we feel. It's a simple ask. It's a simple add-on. Why don't we get cracking? And why don't we see how we feel afterwards? I'm going to go for it. I hope you join me. Take care. See you next time.